We'll be playing that in just a little while. Amen. If you see uh, Mike's mother uh, leave at 1230, she has to go to work today. It's not that she's under conviction and running out of church. She wanted to clarify that. She said, Brother Venable, please stop at 1230 so I can go to work and nobody will look at me funny. I can't guarantee I will do that, and that's not what she wrote. That was very gracious. Don't want to forget. that. that it, I just want to clarify that. I love you. Dinner's gone. i got to pick on somebody. Amen. Dale says she ain't going to put up with it, so I'm picking you. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, got, I got loved ones saved doing what they did somewhere else, and it all involves praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing doesn't mean being in a state of prayer while you're trying to, you know, shop at Publix and, and just never stopping praying. It means never quit using the privilege and power of prayer. Don't ever give up on prayer. Amen. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Have a time of prayer. Enter into your closet. Shut the door. Amen. That means turn off your cell phone and turn off the hell of his television and, uh, and, and turn off the radio and get rid of the noise and the distractions. Your closet is your private place. And when you start meeting with God there, uh, continue to meet with God. Make it an appointment. It may be before you start your day, at the end of your day. Uh, but David did say early. Will I seek thee? And I start my prayer life before any of the rest of my life because there's so many things in the rest of my life to distract me from my prayer life. So I want to get that early. I get up in the morning. The first thing my confession is, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Don't know what it holds, but know who holds me and holds it. So it doesn't really matter after that if you really believe that. And then I begin to intercede and pray. And one of the prayers I was praying has been answered. So, amen. Day after day, it's been answered. It's been answered. And here's the deal. I said it before some of you come in. I'm going to say it again. When they were walking around the walls of Jericho in obedience to God, the wall did not crack. They didn't see any evidence that God was doing anything. The wall stood there in as much defiance as it could possibly be. No one had ever scaled the wall, broken that wall, and they were so confident inside. I would imagine... Because I know the devil and his devices, that they were hurling insults at them as they continued to march around. Amen. Your prayers mean nothing. Your God can do nothing. This wall is bigger than your God and your prayers and your obedience and your faith. Amen. It didn't start cracking as they marched around. The height I'm not positive of, but archaeologists have found what they believe are the ruins of that very city. And they said the thickness, it was so high that they, it was, I don't know if you've got actual, but it's, it was huge. It was huge. But the, the width of it, if you're thinking of a concrete block wall or something of that nature with some stucco on it, you were very wrong. They found the foundations for the walls of Jericho, archaeologists. And they said you could run Six chariots abreast. Six chariots abreast. That's like Interstate 4. Interstate 75. One of those four, four lane. When you get a four lane, 
that's roughly the equivalent of the thickness of the walls of Jericho. No wonder they felt so secure behind those walls. Nobody had ever penetrated it. They didn't believe anybody could. And as they marched around, I'm sure they were hurling insults at them to discourage them. The devil always does that. He's defiant. He will defy you. Amen. That's why, that's why when David went out to fight Goliath, he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistines that defies the armies of the living God? Can you say amen? The devil will defy you. And he'll say, Who are you? Who do you think you are? Well, I don't think I'm anyway. God says I'm his son. Amen. God says I'm his child. Jesus said that, 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 Paul said that we have joint seating with Christ. Hallelujah. We're not divine, but we've been, that's what makes it so wonderful. We've been seated with Him in heavenly places. And that word seated with means joint seating. And being a son of God, by the rationale and logic that goes with this great spiritual revelation, the Apostle Paul said, if we're sons, then we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God, then we're joint heirs with Jesus. And that's why he said after the cross to his disciples, or before the cross, but, but what was going to happen after the cross, he said everything that the Father has, by being the legitimate singular heir of all, everything the Father has is mine. But when the Holy Ghost has come, he will take of mine and not S-H-O-W, reveal it to you, but S-H-E-W, communicate it to you. Everything, the, that's what a joint heir is. Amen. If I was a joint heir with Bill Gates, who is a multi-billionaire, who, you know, who makes Trump look like a pauper, Amen. Gates is way beyond... <laughs> The wonderful thing about this is this is our standing. That's why we have such power in prayer because we have such position with God. Amen. It's our position with God that gives us power in prayer. Amen. That's, it's our position with God. Now you are the sons of God. And if sons, then heirs of God. And if heirs of God, then you've got to be a joint heir with Jesus. And if you're a joint heir with Jesus, then we've been seated with Him in heavenly places, given joint seating. And that's why that Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I want you to be in them like I'm in you and you're in me. I want it to be that personal, that intimate, that powerful, that position we have. Hallelujah. And Father, I want you to love them. Have you ever heard the term about he beat that dog like a red-headed stepchild? There's no stepchildren. Don't matter what color your hair is either. God has no stepchildren. No stepchildren. And the glory, what makes it so glorious is we, have, we are not divine we can't say we're sinless. We're not sinful. Sin doesn't reign. But I have repented before of an attitude or an activity. Have you ever repented of anything? I'm so glad you did. Because if you never repented of anything, you're saying we have no sin. 
And that makes you a liar according to God. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful. That's it, really. He's faithful and he's just. See, faithful without being justified in doing it. Right now in the court systems, there are judges that are under scrutiny and may lose their position. And people are questioning the fact that they're given a slap on the wrist to a crime that should the law requires the absolute law requires that there be a, a punishment to fit that crime but they're not doing that and so they're upset with them god can't be justified in forgiving sin unless sin has been judged he can't be just and a justifier of them that trust in Christ if he just says i will not i want to attribute that to them no it has to be he has to adjudicate judgment because he's holy he doesn't sweep it under the rug he judges our sin in his son and it's his suffering on the cross that paid the price so i could be forgiven that's why i don't take forgiveness lightly every time i'm forgiven i say thank you jesus Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the blood. Because the Bible said, amen, that surely he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. But when we saw him on the cross, because Isaiah chapter 53 is all about a man dying a terrible death on a cross. And the phenomenal thing about Isaiah 53, which they call the gospel in the Old Testament, is because crucifixion wasn't known to Israel at that time. The Romans did it and other pagans did it, but they never saw anybody on a cross. And yet the prophet sees someone with the word that was used, wounded for our transgression, wounded. Literally, the word in the Hebrew is to bore through when you put a spike through. He was... Surely, when we saw Him, there's nothing that we should desire Him. When they brought Him out after the beating, He was so bloodied, Pilate was absolutely convinced when they see Him in this condition. What was the condition? He was given the cat of nine tails. A wooden handle. Nine pieces of braided leather. And if you think... The leather was just going to make the stripe. It would be bad enough with 12 pieces of braided leather. But in the end of each of the 12 was pieces of pottery. Have you been around terracotta that's been broken? It's razor sharp. Pieces of metal, sharp metal, or broken pottery tied in the end of each of those 12. When they hit his back, it wrapped around to his sides and when they jerked it back it tore pieces of flesh from his rib cage the bible said prophetically of how he would suffer it said remember when he said i thirst it said his tongue would cleave to the roof of his mouth and then he said, my bones are exposed. My bones stare out of me. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. Because he gave Dale his everything. 
Hallelujah. That's why many times on Sunday morning in a song service, I find myself recommitting my life to Jesus. You say, Brother Vimble, you're already committed. <laughs> Honey, my flesh tends to drift into it's about me. What about me? Me and mine. My flesh will always go to me and mine instead of what's for his glory and what's for him. I have given myself a pity party before and invited other people. Can you say amen to join me in pitying me? There's a song on the radio that said, poor, poor, pitiful me. And, but I don't want to sing that song. Sometimes I feel poor and pitiful, but I'm not. I'm a son of the living God. I have the privilege and honor to legitimately call the God of the universe, not just my Savior, but my Heavenly Father. And Jesus kept pointing to that. So they hit him with the cat and they yanked it back and pieces of flesh tore from his ribs. And he said, my bones stare out of me. My tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. Eloi! Eloi! Lama sabachthani! Which being interpreted as my God, Eloi, Eloi, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? So if you think Jesus died wrapped up in some spiritual cocoon where he didn't feel anything and it was just he just went through it, sailed through it, he knew what was coming in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was overwhelmed. He asked for something to prove that he lived in a human body like ours with all of its frailties. He asked one of the most vacillating, unstable disciples in the bunch that he knew would change after the cross. He asked Simon Peter to pray with him. And he called it watching with him for one hour. I'm going a little further to pray. Will you watch with me one hour? And of course, Peter, like people do, Peter fell asleep. It wasn't about him. His life wasn't on the line. He couldn't see what was coming. He didn't understand it. But Jesus understood it. Peter went to sleep. And when Jesus came back, he asked for a human being that was far from perfect to pray for him because he knew the power of prayer. Why would he ask somebody? Why would he ask me to pray for him? I need him to pray for me. Because he knew the power of prayer. And the power of prayer is not just in the person who prays, but the person who's listening. I don't know if you're hearing me today. Jesus asked Peter to pray. Intercede. Why would he do that? He knew Peter. He's the one that told Peter he was going to fail him after, after the, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. And he knew it. But he knew the power of prayer. And he said, if people pray, if somebody will pray with me and for me, God is going to hear that prayer. And I need my Father's strength and help for this thing. When he went into the garden, knowing what was coming, the Bible said his soul was sorrowful unto death. The pressure and the stress... On his physical body as well as his emotions and mind. The Bible said that he sweat. But the sweat was brownish red. Reddish brown. 
because the capillaries under the skin were now bursting. That's why when I had the stroke, a bad stroke, four years ago now, I think we're going to celebrate about four years after the fact. have been. God has been so good to me. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Heal me. Raise me up. Give me this time that we're utilizing right now for Him. Saving my loved ones. God has been extraordinarily good to me. So if you're down in the deep hole, I'm here to throw you a rope. I'm not here to jump in there with you. I just can't get down in there. I've been there. But there's no reason to be there. God is on the throne and He lifted me from the miry clay. Can you say man? That's where you can't get out of even if you've got all-wheel drive. Can you say, man, all them wheels going to be spinning in that clay. But you ain't going nowhere unless somebody pulls you out. I worked for Tampa Electric and I had a winch on the front of my truck. And all the trucks had a winch on the front of them. Electric winch. And, and, and I would try to get somewhere that I couldn't get through a bog. That I had to get somewhere with my truck as an equipment operator. And I'd get to that point where I, all four of my all-wheel drive wheels are turning. And I'm not going nowhere. Actually, it's digging me deeper in. I'm up to the axles in muck. But another truck would go way around where there was good ground and pull out that winch and hook it onto me. And you know what they told me to do? They told me, don't accelerate. Put it in neutral. Sit back and let us pull you. Because if you keep spinning, you're going to work against what we're trying to achieve. So I put it in neutral. I took my foot off the accelerator. I sat back and just held on to the wheel, and they pulled me out of the miry clay. Glory be to God. I'll tell you, some of us have been trying to climb out, and we just keep sliding back in. Can you say, man, and we get weary and we get tired and we get beat up and we get beleaguered and we get beat down. Amen. But He lifted me. When He lifts you, amen, you put it in neutral. Let him do the heavy work. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. He lifted me from the miry clay. And not only did he lift David out of that place he couldn't extract himself from, he put my feet on a rock so I don't slide right back in. Can you say, man? He establishes us, in other words. Hallelujah. Amen. He'll give you the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, Oil of joy, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we might, oh, begins, the whole thing begins with making something out of nothing, beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we might be called, because he doesn't just do all of that and let us get back in that predicament, he establishes us, that we might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. In other words, I establish you where you're rooted and built up in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And our roots go deep. And our limbs are strong. Glory be to God. For we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Glory to God. So somebody this morning needs to put it in neutral and let God pull you out. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't waste your strength, your energy. Don't get beleaguered and beat down. Let God do it. He lifted me. 
I will look into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's going to pull you through. God is faithful. He wants you to have faith in His faithfulness. Forget about the size of your faith. Look at the size of your God. When David said, magnify the Lord, it doesn't mean to make Him bigger or exaggerate Him. You can't conceive His greatness, and I can't either. It means to see Him as He truly is. To see Him. Everybody say, to see Him as He truly is. Glory to God. God is great and greatly to be praised. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 He stretched out heaven and earth with His strong right. Ah, Lord God. David said, um, Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God. Thou hast made heaven and earth by thine outstretched hand, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Can you say, man? And that's the God that you call Abba Father. That's the God that you have joint heirship with Jesus. That's the God, <laughs> hallelujah, that accepts you in the beloved. According to Ephesians, we have been accepted. How, how can He accept us? In His beloved. Because Jesus prayed, Father, like I'm in You, and You're in me, and we become one in that, that beautiful, unified relationship, I want them, all those that believe on me, to have that same relationship with us that I have with You and You have with me, which is I in You and You in me. I want that for every one of my disciples, everyone that believes on me. How did he answer that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everybody say the hope of glory. Well, if Jesus, does Jesus live in you? Does he come in when you, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in. And for the purpose initially of fellowship. Uh, and I will sup with you and you will, and you don't wait till you get to heaven for the, for the marriage supper of the Lamb to start feasting spiritually. For my body is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed, and he here's that here's that partaking of Christ in spiritual union and fellowship and communion, spiritual communion. He that eats of my body drinks of my blood. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know a bunch of people turn around because they didn't have any spiritual understanding? So they turned around and left. When he started talking about if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. God was setting up a situation where we could have intimate, personal communion. We are made what? Partakers of Christ. If we keep the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, whatever you eat becomes, hey, you is what you eat. Amen? You are what you eat. That's why I'm such a ham. <laughs> Word. Pork. Yeah. Sanctified pork. <laughs> Seriously. We are what we eat. And we're supposed to be eating the bread that come out of heaven. And Jesus said, my body is meat indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. And he eats. That's partaking of spiritual communion with Christ. 
Hallelujah. That's more than sitting in church. Sitting in church. I got it, I've said it so many times. Sean is saying it now. Sitting in church won't make you a Christian anymore. And sitting in the garage will make you a Buick. Can you say man? Hallelujah. What makes you a Christian is getting saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, and then growing in your knowledge of who you are in Him and who He is in you. For it's Christ in you that gives you the full assurance of salvation. The hope of glory is based on the fact that Jesus Christ can live in you by the Holy Spirit. And God the Father can live in you. How would you? They were so concerned because everybody's trying to touch Jesus. The little woman got down on her hands and knees with the issue of blood just to touch him. And every time they went somewhere, people are elbowing them out of the way to get to Jesus. And, and it was bugging them. And they said, how, how would you manifest yourself to us as your disciples and not to the whole world with all this crowd around you? All the time. And he said, if any man will love me, my father, and keep my commandments, my father and I, I and my father, will come to them and we will make our abode with them. That's Christ in you. God in you. The kingdom of God in you because the king of that kingdom is in you. Don't mystify what is personal and practical. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, one and the same. The kingdom of heaven is ruled by a king of heaven. The kingdom of God is ruled by the king of that kingdom. Kingdom in both cases is where a king rules in undisputed authority. Now we may... Let our flesh dispute His authority to rule over us, but that doesn't change the fact that He is Lord. He may not be your Lord this morning, but He is Lord. And one day, every tongue, every atheist, every demon, every devil, amen, is going to confess. Every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess what He is. He is Lord to the glory of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. For God hath given him a name that is above every name that is named oh, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and beneath the earth, down in the netherworld, there are no doubting devils. There are devils trying to make you and I doubt, but the devil is a believer. Amen. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and they tremble. Can you say, man? I looked up that word tremble in the Greek. I'm about to preach this morning. I looked up that word tremble in the Greek. You know what it means? It means to have the skin crawl and the hair stand up on end. I want you to know the devil is intimidated by this man, Jesus, that rose from the dead. Can you say, man? And he's intimidated by every child of God that knows who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them. He is Lord to the glory of God. Hallelujah. You know how I'm in you and you're in me? I want them to be in us in that same kind of relationship. God answered that prayer at the cross. He made a way for us to be accepted in the Beloved. 
He put us in his son. And he put his son in us. He put us in his kingdom. And he put his kingdom in us. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So when we pray thy kingdom come, we're not just talking about the second coming of Jesus. We're talking about what is here right now. You rule right now in my life. You're the king of my life. You're the king of my heart. You're the king of my soul. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So don't let the devil discourage you in praying. Because Jesus asked Peter to watch with him. It doesn't mean just sit there and look around. It meant to pray in intercession. Well, I go a little further and pray. And the prayer Jesus was praying in the garden of not my will but thine be done. There was a pressure on him and the Bible said that his sweat became as blood. As the stress when they examined my eyes. Dr. Kulik that I talked to you guys about. He said, I don't see any evidence of that stroke. And normally a stroke of that magnitude, capillaries would burst in the eye and leave some kind of residue that I can tell. when They can tell a lot looking deep into your eye about what's going on in your body. And they can tell about your blood pressure because if capillaries are bursting, they're going to see that in your eye. I used to lift weights back in the day don't look at me now this is not the after or the before this is the this is the between amen somewhere in between but i used to lift weights and i would come home with this big red bloody area over in the corner of my eye i didn't realize what was going on you know what was going on when i was lifting the heavy weights my blood pressure was spiking and capillaries were bursting in the eye, those little fragile capillaries were bursting. The stress on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was so great. The capillaries beneath the skin where the sweat glands are as well begin to burst. And the blood and the sweat mingled. And as the sweat came out, it was reddish brown. And his sweat became as great drops of blood. And he asked for a man, a mere mortal, unstable as yet, Simon Peter. Watch with me one hour. And Peter, true to his character, he just fell asleep. And Jesus was alone. In the garden, just like he was alone, they all ran and hid when he hung on the cross. Except for his mother and Mary Magdalene. A woman that so loved him because he had cast seven devils out of her. She couldn't deliver herself, but she met a deliverer. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he set her free. And she said, I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to honor him. Can you say man? Hallelujah. He that's forgiven much loves much. And I'm going to run this by you today. We've all been forgiven much. It took as much blood to save you as it took to save Mary Magdalene. Can you say, man, maybe you wouldn't like her, and I pray you were not, but if even if you were, it doesn't matter. It took as much blood to save you as it did to save her. And we should be just as grateful to Him. Can you say, man, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm in you and you're in me. My kingdom is in you and you're in my kingdom. Joint seating with Jesus. And he said, everything that is the Father hath given me is mine. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take of mine and he will show it unto you. I hope if somebody names me in a will, I hope somebody calls me and lets me know. If, you, if somebody left you $100,000, and by the way, if you think this is far-fetched, they, the bank, banks actually accumulate money that they can't get to the heirs. And they sometimes run ads in papers. The New York Times ran an ad 20 years ago in a paper because there was a bunch of people that people had left money and they hadn't claimed it and they can't use it. It's sitting in their bank. They've got to do the paperwork to keep everything organized. And they want them to come and get it and get it out of the bank or leave it in the bank, but claim it. It's not theirs to spend. Belongs. It's bequeathed to someone else. So, a, and remember Cherie, postal exam, be a lot nicer in the post office than out here cutting her fingers, amen, mowing the grass, and cooler too. Plus, postal exam and sheriff's department, both of them. Wow, so stretch going right on up, ain't she? Glory be to God, pray for her. Postal exam, sheriff's department. Listen, this guy was what Cherie was doing right now, and that's mowing during this summer. That's a cutthroat business, and when the summer's over and the grass keeps growing, you get no business almost. But she's getting into a better business. This man was a, was a he mowed grass. He was a landscaper. And I don't mean the big pretty stuff. I mean just trimming and mowing. His name was Jones. Nothing in particular. And he was sitting having coffee with his crew. They had the New York Times and they were reading. One of his crew members said to him, he said, listen, John Jones. (laughs) There's a John Jones here listed in the New York Times as an heir of some money. (laughs) He said, well, there must be in the city of, whether it was New York, New York Times. How many John Joneses do you think there are in New York? It couldn't be me. Who would leave me money? How could I? See, if you don't know, if you don't know, if you don't know, you can't use what is yours. Somebody has got to let you know what belongs to you for you to claim it by faith. Amen. 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 And my people perish, not because of a lack of provision on God's part, but a lack of knowledge on our part. Didn't it say in Hosea, my people perish for a lack of knowledge? Don't let, the, don't let the mighty man glory in his might. Don't let the rich man glory in his riches. Don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. But he that boasts, let him boast in this, that he knows and understands me, saith God. Hallelujah. So he said, why don't you check on this? What have you got to lose? Why don't you check this out? The Bible is here today. The Holy Spirit is here today. I'm here today. So we can check it out. If it's talking about you, don't exempt yourself. 
God's tired of hearing His people say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm worthless and useless. No, you're not. You are worth the death of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. And you're not useless because He sent His Holy Spirit to live within you. You're a threat to the devil. And the devil wants to keep you beat down and beleaguered. And God wants to lift you up and establish you as a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Hallelujah. God wants you to intercede. God wants you to pray. And God wants you to believe when you're praying. Can you say amen? And in order to do that, you've got to know who you are in Him and who He is in you. And not see God sitting aloof in His heaven that really can't be or don't want to be bothered. But a God who is up close and personal that says, call on me. I want to do mighty things that you never dreamed of, but you've got to call on me. Can you say man? Call on me. Jeremiah 33.3. Hallelujah. I, I, how many know who to call if you have an emergency and you need an ambulance or the popo? Popo is police, but I just want to clarify. Amen. If you need the police, how many? Anybody? Give me the numbers. 911. Ambulance. Give me the numbers. Fire truck. 911. First responders are going to come. <laughs> oh, Lord, I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say next. Praise God. This is exciting to me today. Amen. They that come to God must believe that He is and that He's a first responder. Hallelujah. That He is a rewarder, a responder to them that what diligently seek Him. Everybody say Jeremiah 333. That's God's emergency number. And call upon me, and I will show you great. And my, this is prayer in operation. Prayer, answered prayer in manifestation. Call on me. Don't quit praying. Don't quit believing. Don't quit standing. Call on me. And I will show you. I'll manifest the answer. I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. You have never seen what I can do yet. You've never understood. You've never appreciated. And therefore you've never appropriated your faith in prayer. Amen. Prayer is not a last resort. It's to get God to be the first responder. If you dial 911, do you get a spirit of expectation? Do you believe someone's coming? Do you believe someone's coming? We lived, we pastored in Sulphur Springs and crazy people used to come in church. I didn't have a cell phone, but I had that freedom phone without wires. And I didn't walk out with no gun or no stick. I, I, I walked out with my freedom phone. And I said, sir, you're going to calm down or they're going to come and get you. And it's your choice. Because I have 911 programmed in. All I have to do is touch one, one key and they're coming. And they ain't far away. They ain't here because they don't like to come in here. But they ain't far away. They're not on Nebraska Avenue, but they're right over there on Florida. Can you say, say amen? Hallelujah. And you know something? Because they knew if I press that button, they're coming. And they probably had a record this long, probably on probation anyway. 
And they didn't come to find Jesus. They just come to mess with us and mess up the service and disrespect God and his house and his servant and his word. So they turned around and walked out the door and said, you can't pull that on that preacher. In the name of love, he's not going to let you come in here and blaspheme God. In the name of love, he's not going to... If you want to get saved, come on in. If you want to be respectful, come on in. But if you want to come in and mess up this service from the people who do respect God, you can't come in here and do that. Amen. Jesus wouldn't allow it, so I'm not going to allow that. But when you threaten with 911, why did they leave? Because they knew if you dialed that number, somebody's coming. God is the first responder, but in the physical, somebody's coming. Jeremiah 33, 3, God keeps challenging. Jesus keeps challenging us to pray and believe when we pray. Ask! Now, I'm going to talk to you like Jesus for a minute. I'm going to tell you just the way he talked from the King James. Ask! Heretofore, you have asked nothing in my name. You're not utilizing your privilege nor the power of prayer. Heretofore, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask! You have not, James said, because prayer. Prayer has ceased. Come on. You have not because you what? You ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss to consume it on yourself. But when you ask in prayer, believing whatever you ask in prayer, believing... You shall receive. It's up on our website. You shall receive. The only way you can believe like that is to know the will of God. For this is the confidence we have in Him if we ask anything according to His will. Well, how do I know His will? It begins by His Word. Every detail is not there. But the foundation for your faith is right there in the Word, and that's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the faith to believe involves knowing the will of God. That's why the Bible said in John 15, If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, remains constant in you, you'll ask what you will and it'll be done. You know why? Because your will and His will will be the same. How many has ever prayed to get out of anything and didn't get out of it? I have. How many have prayed? Since you found out you weren't going to get out of it, how many have prayed, Lord, give me the grace to go through? How many of you survived? <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of you found out that God's grace is, in fact, sufficient and that He is, in fact, faithful? Hallelujah. That's called growing and maturing. As a Christian, praise God. If you're not going to take me from, Lord. How many ever heard the song? Have you ever heard the song, The Preacher and the Bear? My grandma had a crank-up Victrola. Turned the crank, had a needle on it, sharp enough to, boy, just an old metal needle, and the sound was like it was just in a tin can out of the speaker. It's a pretty thing in a wooden cabinet, but it sounded like it was in a tin can. You crank it up. You put on a 78 RPM record. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a story in song about the preacher and the bear. And the story was this. It's hunting season. The preacher goes hunting. Instead of coming to church, <laughs> the pastor's out hunting. 
by the way, if, if I go fishing with Terry on Sunday, instead of coming to church, if I'm on vacation, that's one thing. But if I'm just, you know, messing around with God. <laughs> yeah, God prepared a fish for Jonah. He could send jaws for me out in the lake. Freshwater lake with a shark in it. Where'd that thing come from? I can just see him throwing me over like they did Jonah. <laughs> say, it's, it's him you want, not me. But that's kind of the preacher in the bear story. And I used to listen and laugh and grin. Wasn't funny to the person who experienced it, I guess. And the preacher is out there hunting for a deer, I guess. And he runs upon a bear. And the bear sees him and runs at him. You can't outrun a bear. You may think you can, but you can't. That thing can move. So he climbed a tree. And he's up in the top of that tree, and that bear is shaking that tree and trying to climb it, trying to shake him out. And he's holding on for dear life. And he begins to pray, and that was the theme of the song. That was the, that was the major part of the song. Oh, Lordy, you delivered Daniel from the lion's den. The three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace. In other words, you know, it's amazing how you pray when you're in trouble. Isn't it amazing how the prayer life suddenly is pumped up? That old rusty prayer life, old crusty prayer life. When you get in deep trouble, suddenly you begin to call on the Lord. Amen. <laughs> you have an incentive. He had an incentive. And he started quoting uh, the deliverance of God. He's building his faith. Well, listen, when a bear is trying to shake you out of a tree, may not be the right time to try to build your faith. We need some faith going into that situation. <laughs> in fact, is we don't need to be out there and get in that situation, number one. So he says, oh, Lord, do you deliver Daniel from the lion's den, the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, and then, Lord, if you don't help me, for goodness sake, don't you help that bear? If I can't qualify for prayer, don't use that bear to punish me. If you can't help me, for goodness sake, don't you help that bear. The devil would love you and I to believe that God wants us punished and He's using that situation to punish us. It's an amazing thing how people think. I was at the hairdressers getting my... I go where my wife goes. She gives me a haircut. takes 10 minutes. I don't spend a lot of time getting my free call. You don't know what that means, do you? Okay, you can't make fun of me on it. I'm not trying to get pretty. I'm just trying to not be shaggy. So she's cutting my hair, and she's saying something about stress. And we're talking about stress. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I went through a stroke, and it got my attention. I said, he maketh me to lay down in green pasture. She said, yeah, he maketh me. She was... In other words, God's going to get your attention. God's going to... See, that's not the incentive God wants to get put inside of you. It's not this dread of His chastisement. It's this de dedication to His love and mercy. That's what He wants. And I read a book by Philip Keller, who was a scientist, number one, and he, went, he had degrees, but he left all of that 
academia world and all of that professional world to keep sheep in Australia. He had a sheep farm, and he wrote a book on Psalm 23, based on Psalm 23, the scripture in the Bible, from a shepherd's perspective, because a shepherd wrote the psalm. It's on our website, on Facebook. You did a wonderful job of showing hands on the back of a sheep. If one sheep is standing, none of them will relax because they assume there's something wrong. There's some threat. And if that one sheep is filled with anxiety and filled with fear, it won't lay down. He maketh me to lay down. Well, he don't go out and whack it and knock it unconscious. He goes out while speaking gently. By the way, the shepherd is right there. There's a sense, number one, of the shepherd's presence. A sense of the shepherd's presence. And while gently pushing down, he speaks comfortably unto the sheep. When I worked for Tampa Electric, had to pass several first aid courses because actually I was in a movie. I think they're going to put me in the movies. They put me in a safety movie. Made a big star out of me for a little while on the big old reel-to-reel thing because I, a man got up in the bucket truck and he slumped down as if he'd received an electric shock and I overrode his controls with the controls on the truck. I brought him down from where he was, set it down, went over and grabbed him, yanked him out. Back in the day, I could do that. And yanked him out, laid him on the ground, and feigned uh, mouth-to-mouth and the compressions on the heart. That could be mine. Anyway, it isn't mine. And to treat for shock, I pulled him out after I did that, waiting on first responders. I was supposed to cover him up because most people die not from the, the wound, but from the shock. They go into shock. And listen to this. With all those things I'm doing to help, getting him flat on the ground, elevating his feet, covering him up to keep him speak comfortably. Unto him. Speak comfortably unto him. He's in panic. You've got to be the person that's in charge and saying, You're going to be okay. Even if he ain't. Amen. He's got his own. He needs to calm down. (laughs) Somebody needs to. Remember Hezekiah? They're surrounded with an enemy. Everybody's in a panic. And what does he do? The Bible said, And Hezekiah spoke comfortably unto them, saying, There's more with us than there is with them. With them the arm of flesh with us is the Lord our God. He it is that shall fight our battles. And the people comforted themselves because of the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Can you say, man, what does it say in Isaiah? Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people, saith the Lord. How many need a word of encouragement? You're not going to get it from CNN or Fox News or anywhere else in a periodical newspaper or television. How many need to hear? Listen, some things just tore me up that's going on in our culture and in the political arena and in the world. It just makes me so mad. I'm stomping mad. If I come in and preach what I'm mad about, you're not going to get any faith today. Amen. Amen. We'll all leave here 
toe up from the flow up. Can you say amen? But if we leave here with faith in our heart and we begin to call upon the Lord, it don't matter what else is going on. God is going to come through for you. God is going to come through for me. Amen. Listen, the walls of Jericho did not crumble. They didn't crack. And they kept on marching. Hallelujah. They defied them. They hurled insults at them. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. Can You can just hear the devil defying them. But when they walked around it on the seventh day for the seventh time, Joshua told them, Shout, for God has, not will. He has given you the city. Hallelujah. And they shouted victory. Before there was a crack in the wall. And the wall still didn't crack. And the wall still didn't crumble. It fell down flat. Because he that shall come. Will come. And when he's ready. In his timing. He will not tarry. Can you say, man, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. It happened in your brethren. It's not unique. It's everybody. Can you say, man, hallelujah. But you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For he that shall come, this responder... Hallelujah. He that's on the way. He that's expediting. He that shall come. Will come. And he will not tarry. So at 8.30 p.m. last night. He that shall come came. Glory be to God. Somewhere. Somewhere where I can't see. Where I don't know what's going on. Where there's no indication a change is coming. A change came. Hallelujah. And people in my family that were so far from salvation, they didn't want to be around us because it was convicting to be around us. But to be able to hug my daughter-in-law as my sister, and to hug my grandson as my brother, that's why Jesus said, Peter, pray. It'll help me with what I'm facing if you will pray. Isn't that incredible? It wasn't power of Peter. It's the power of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said it was the power of prayer. And the devil knows exactly how powerful it is. And he doesn't want you or me praying. And then if we pray at all, he doesn't want us to pray in faith, believing. For whatever we ask in prayer, believing, we shall receive. And if His Word abides in us and we abide in Him, we'll ask what we will because we'll begin to see His will in His Word. Amen. And this is the confidence we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, His Word, we know that He hears us. And if you can't find it in His Word, then defer to the Holy Spirit. We ask again, I, I don't know his will and I can't find a promise. What do you do? Oh, I'm so glad you ask. What do you do then, Brother Venable? I can't find a specific scripture for that. I can't find a promise. Defer to the Holy Spirit. Defer to the Holy Spirit. 
No man knoweth the things of a man except the spirit of a man. Howbeit the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. And when he prays, Paul said, I'll pray with my understanding and I'll pray with the Spirit. I'll defer to the Holy Spirit. I went to intercede for some people in my prayer for everyone here. And when I call their name, I know certain needs. Sometimes God reveals a need. But most of the time, he doesn't reveal what a further need is. But he knows the need. And he prompts me, says, pray in the Spirit right now for them. Pray in the Spirit for them. And I just go off into another tongue. I passed a guy walking down the street, had his headphones on. But he did give me a second look because I was praying in tongues as he went by. You know, deal with it. Can you say amen? (laughs) If I have to listen to your rap music, you can listen to me talk to God. Can you say amen? And he went by, and I was praying pretty loud, and I thought his earphones were up pretty loud, but he went by, and then he went. I don't know if he heard me praying in tongues, or he just felt the power and presence of God around me and said, ooh. (laughs) I don't know what was going on, but I know what was going on between me and God. I was interceding for somebody according to the will of God of God for the Bible said when he prays through you he prays according to the will of God and I don't know what it was but I know it's going to get answered because if he prayed it he prayed according to the will of God and if we ask anything according to his will we know he hears us and if we know he hears us we know we have the petition that we've desired of him Hallelujah. So sometimes I just defer to the Holy Ghost and say, you just go ahead and pray according to the will of God. Hallelujah. And when he does, we're assured of the answer. We're assured of the answer. Glory be to God. How many people are wanting... You see what's happening in my life and my family. How many people want to get back in that prayer closet? If you've been out of it, to get back in it. How many want to get up in the morning and say good, Lord, good morning, Lord, instead of good Lord morning? Wave at me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. There's two ways to get up. You can get up and say God is in charge. And I'm going to talk to Him before I talk to anybody. Hallelujah. And I'm going to believe that He is going to respond to me. Jeremiah 33.3 is my 911 to heaven. Call on me. i got to finish this i got to finish this. What did Jesus say? Heretofore you have asked nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive. I do not say that I shall pray for you. For the Father Himself loveth you. Heretofore you have asked the Father nothing. You, you feel like the Father is too above you. Too distant. You're too small. He said the Father loves you. So I'm not saying that I'm going to pray for you. He intercedes so you can talk to the Father. No, Come on, He intercedes so you can talk to the Father. He's a high priest interceding so that you can come behind the veil. So that you can talk to God mouth to mouth, just like Moses did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heretofore, you haven't asked the Father anything in my name. Ask! For He loves you. He loves you. Hallelujah. He loves you. Like He loves me. That's what it means to be a joint heir with Jesus. Don't forget to go to work. Hallelujah. We're all expecting Christmas presents. 
God bless you. I'm going to try to quit right now. I was going to try to quit before she left. You see how well that worked out. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about prayer and answered prayer. We got so many ends to this message. We can't tie them all up today. Let's get that sheep laying down. Let's get that sheep to lay down. I told our hairdresser, Deborah, I said, Deborah, this is how he did it. He didn't go out and hit it. That stroke wasn't God making me lay down. It's the devil trying to destroy me. It was my own foolishness carrying the stress, carrying burdens I should have been giving to God. It was my fault if it was anybody's. But God is the one that raised me up. And when it said he maketh me to lay down, the shepherd would go out. And stand right by the sheep. And the first thing the sheep experienced was the presence of the shepherd that he trusted to protect him. No matter what the threat is, his rod and his staff is comforting me. Can you say, man? And then while pressing down, just like treating someone in shock, speak comfortably unto them. He said, it's okay. It's all right. You're going to be just fine. And because of the presence of the shepherd, the sense of his love surrounding that sheep, the sheep says, I have nothing to fear. And he just lays down and goes into a deep, sweet sleep. He maketh me. He doesn't beat me into submission. A man went to the Holy Land He got out among the shepherds. He wanted to understand the shepherd king that we serve. And he saw a man driving sheep, whipping them to make them go in the direction he wanted. And this was breaking the pattern. It's breaking the concept of a good shepherd and the sheep following He said, why is that man beating those sheep? Why is that shepherd? He said, he's no shepherd. He's no shepherd. This is the butcher's son. These sheep know where they're headed. He's driving them to slaughter. They're not following. This is not their shepherd. For they know their shepherd loves them, provides for them, protects them, and doesn't want to harm them. He's keeping them from harm. They will gladly follow their shepherd. But he's driving them. You know what I can try to do today and fail in doing? And not only will I fail in achieving that goal, but you won't know how God truly is. Deborah heard that God don't beat his sheep. He loves us. He chastens us, but it's not like that. Amen. How many has, has been... How many has the word hit you between the eyes before and you felt like, oh, Lord, who called Brother Venable on me? Tattletale, tattletale, hang your britches on a nail. Don't know what that's all about, but amen. I guess if your britches hanging on a nail, you're too embarrassed to keep tattling. Can you say amen? She found out that God is not like that. He doesn't want us to dread him. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord means, it simply means deep reverence. 
with awe and affection. Love is not lost in that deep reverence and that respect. We have a God who loves us enough to give His Son, a Son who loves us enough to go to the cross and said He's a good shepherd. And all that my Father gave me, them have I kept. Because the Father, no man can pluck them out of my hand. I'm not going to turn them loose if they don't go off on their own. I'm not going to turn them loose if they don't go and make a decision to walk away. I'm not going to break a covenant with them. For my Father that gave them me, He's greater than all those forces trying to tear us away. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, did you get anything out of this teaching today? Do you have an incentive to pray? At 8.30 last night. Today when I eat, I'm going to pray another prayer that I've tied. And I'm not going to tell you about it because I know you're hungry too. Amen. But it won't take me as long to do that intercession that I've tied to my meals. Because that guy that walked in Brooklyn Tabernacle is no different than my daughter-in-law and my grandson. Hallelujah. God, because of the frequency and the fervency of prayer, God came through. Just think what would happen if God saved some of your hard-hearted, hard-headed friends and loved ones and people you work with. Would you rejoice? Wouldn't we rejoice to see old Mark bowed down somewhere letting Jesus become his Savior and his Lord and Savior of his life. Praise God. You know some knotheads in your family. Tree. Amen. I got some squirrels in my tree too. Can you some Amen. Everyone do little. When they start coming to Jesus. When they start coming in. And it's like Jericho's wall. You pray and pray and pray. You don't see a crack. And all of a sudden it falls down flat. And you might have been discouraged a little bit here and there along the way. And you say, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that my belly didn't override. My flesh, my distractions didn't override this need to intercede. That, that I, this power and privilege of prayer. Hallelujah. Yes. Eight feet at least thick. The foundation then for that eight foot top was bigger than the top. And that's where the six chariots abreast was in the foundation of the walls of Jericho. But they came down. They came down. They came down. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, if we could. We need to do more praising and less pleading. Less pleading. And more praising. If you believe when you pray, what would be the requisite thing to do? What's next? At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. And immediately after praying, sang praises to God. The answer didn't come while they were making their plea. The answer came when they released their faith and started praising God for the answer. Hallelujah. And the jail broke open. <laughs> Hallelujah. And God set them free. When Paul and Silas both were thrown in jail, 
They didn't worry who would go their bail, but on the prayer bells they began to ring. All fell the stocks and they began to sing. Prayer bells from heaven. Oh, how sweetly they ring, bearing our message to Jesus our King. Hallelujah. The devil wants to stop the church. He has done a good job of it. The average minister prays 15 minutes a week. We're depending on our intelligence, our ingenuity, our programs. And what we need is God to move again. Can you say, man? Will you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. 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 Next time we'll try to get deeper. How many want your faith built up so that you can believe when you pray? Amen. Hallelujah. How many want to get excited again about answered prayer? One of these days we're going to hear something in the whole audience here that consistently come and stay under the Word and get your faith built up so you can pray and believe and see God glorified. We're going to hear the joyful sound. We're going to hear the joyful sound. Because David said he lifted me from the miry clay. He put my feet on the rock. He put a song. Can't ever have victory without a melody in your heart. Always making melody in your heart to the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He is my strength, Moses said. He is my song second. And he's become my salvation, my deliverance. Can you say amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. You need to get your praise on need to pray but then you need to get your praise on today he's my strength what do i do what's next my song hallelujah i don't mean just following the song leader i mean when you get home hallelujah say lord i love you i praise you ain't nobody listening but him you can sing off key he don't even care can you say man get your song back I'm looking at Christians that look like defeated, dejected, beat up, beat down. No joy, no peace. God is aloof in His heaven so far and so distant. No, He's in you. And He's here in our midst. Hallelujah. And this should be your statement and mine. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'll just tell you. Victory should be our business. So here's the way I feel after last night. Victory is my business. And business is good. Hallelujah. Can you say man? Thanks be unto God which gives us victory through Jesus Christ. But in order to have the victory, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. And that's where the battle, make no mistake about it, that's where the battleground is. Because God... The devil convince you to quit believing and quit praying and quit expecting. You lose by default. God don't have a chance to be faithful. But if you hang in there, if you hang in there, if you hang in there, Jesus said it would have made a difference. One hour would have made a difference. It would have helped me. One hour of prayer. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise as we get ready to leave today.